But I looked at them and I said, look around because they came into our facilities and they kind of gave me that look like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And you know, I just go look. And you could see them breaking down every step of the way as they walked through our facility. And they came out back to my front office and they said to me, I want to tell you this. We're here from Washington, D.C. We've traveled the country. We have never seen more beautiful, clean facilities ever anywhere. We have never seen more beautiful, clean, well-maintained yards ever anywhere. But the thing that makes me want to cry, she said, is the personal interactions with the children. She said, you can tell it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's authentic and it's a practice. And that, she said, is just so impressive. Impressive, impressive, impressive. Same business, different day. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. I am your host, Zeke Corley. And as you may know by now, some of the episodes this season will be with return guests. No game, no mid-show reveal, just updates from an old friend of the show. Today, I'm sitting one-on-one with Julie Lowen of Children's Paradise. Our first episode released on December 29th, 2020. I'd suggest you go back and take a listen. The story was like a movie. Her journey from a very complex upbringing to the success story that she and her team are today. So welcome, Julie Lowen, to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. Thank you so much, Zeke. Yeah. You know what? I should say, welcome the business person of the year from the Heroes of Vista (laughs) this past March. I was your runner up, so I remember it real clearly. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. That was fun. I was surprised. I thought... I thought for sure I had pretty strong competitions. So yeah, that's surprised. that's cool. Well, that's <laughs> nice of you to say. But no, I, I once they told me <laughs> you're running against Julie, I'm like, gosh, gosh, <laughs> forget about it. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And you also uh, just told me about uh, another announcement that uh, San Diego Business Journal has you as top 50 women of influence. Yeah, I was pretty excited. I got that I got that email and I was like, wow, pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah, top 50. Yeah. Wow. I bet you know a lot of the folks that you're around and the, the other folks in the top 50, right? Yeah, I haven't. They haven't been revealed. Okay. So I only know that I'm a winner as of today. I wasn't supposed to say anything because I guess this show is going to be released after the fact. Yes. So you'll be able to look it up yes. on online. But that was exciting to get that yeah. to get that email. I promise I won't yeah. release it early. But congratulations. That's <laughs> a monster. You. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Top 50 women of influence. That's so important, too. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, women in industry, you know, women in business. And um, I want to talk about that a little bit, too. Um, like being a female CEO, like, um, you know, sometimes folks don't look at you and, and, you know, in the same way that they might look at your counterparts. Right. And mm-hmm. they um, might doubt you and, and doubt your level of intelligence mm-hmm. or strength, power, which is you definitely are for mm-hmm. as long as I've known you a real powerful force. But not everybody would know that about mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe just look, looking at you or listening mm-hmm. to you on the first phone call or something like that. And to be out there and, and even beyond, let's say, doubting you or doubting your intelligence, maybe also just kind of just 
pushing you to the side, like, you know, she's not good enough or she's not serious enough. And you get to go out there and, and actually become the force that you become. Yeah. I think, um, I think most women experience what all women experience, but I think that there's a group of women who cheer on strong women mm-hmm. who root for beautiful women who yeah. root for smart, savvy business professionals. And then there's a group of women who do their utmost to get in our way. <laughs> oh, okay. And likewise men, you know, there's sure. a group of men that cheer, cheer strong women on. And there's a group of men that are not so uh, thrilled with strong women. I think um, as a woman, you use both of them. If you're strong and savvy, you use both of those to your advantage. If you underestimate me, wow, <laughs> it gives me you. a really good, a strong advantage because you're not estimating what I'm going to do next. Or, right. you know, you're not realizing the depth of research and reading and information that goes into the decision making process. So I think that gives me a, a bit of power. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being a being a woman, I think, is is a powerful thing. You mm-hmm. know, there, it's a very unique uh, thing to be. Um, I think we're individuals in and amongst women. We're not, you know, a monolith. And I think, um, I think that that, you know, if you use those uh, strengths to your advantage can give you an edge as yeah. a CEO. I think, I know it gives me a really strong edge. I agree. Well, you know, I never underestimated you, but like I said, <laughs> I, I've always known you to be a force. So I, I, Thank you. I don't look at as men and women, but some people yeah. do. But one thing for sure, I know about you as, as a strong business person. Period. Um, so do you remember sitting down that episode back in December 2020? You do? I do. Yeah. We, it was fun, right? We, it was really fun. It was really fun. I had no idea what was going to happen the next day. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, um, I mean, I, I, and I appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, you were really open and, and revealed a lot just in your overall upbringing. I'm going to yeah. think about some things that I remember about the episode. One thing for sure that I remember, and um I listened to it again this morning. Mm-hmm. And so it's like real clear in my head right now. Um, the many early jobs, like kind of yeah. the door to door jobs and, and all of that. I just think that with you being such a good communicator as you are now, I think that there was probably those that early experience really did kind of just continue on in your life in that way, you know, and the fearlessness. Right. So this communication that comes with the door to door I think you were selling uh, greeting cards or something like and that. Peanut brittle, and peanut brittle. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so just that ability to communicate confidently, you know, what the mission is and folks buying from you, you know, mm-hmm. um, that don't you think that that still plays with with who you are today? Yeah, I think it does. I think um, I have the ability to sell the phone book and they don't even make them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that uh, because I, I think what it was is that. I took the time to learn my product. Mm-hmm. I understood it from top to bottom, A to Z, and I understood the intricacies of what people wanted with my product. So mm-hmm. depending on whatever that was, whether it was that nostalgic, old-fashioned, you know, cut back to your childhood where you're eating a piece of old-fashioned peanut brittle, or, right. or whether it's greeting cards where you're actually staying in contact with your grandchildren and, yeah. you know, sending cards to your sisters and you know, writing letters, you know, whatever it was, I just, you know, kind of learned why would people want to buy that, you know, and kind of took it to that level. And I think it, it helps me in my business today. Why would people want to bring their children to, to children's paradise? Why mm-hmm. would they do that? Mm-hmm. What do they want from me? What is, what are their expectations? Being able to imagine that is definitely something that translated. 
So I think that's important, though, even to our younger audience. Right. The the it, it doesn't matter what their age is, if they're out there selling door to door. Right. If they're out there working for somebody and still having to explain this product and then coming home and having to take the shoes off and they're in pain and tired from that long day not to give up. Right. Because these things translate, you know, you just keep working hard and, you know, you use all of those lessons, all of that, you know, experience going forward. I still think that's a good lesson. And I, I I mean, I used to say, we, we, my dad used to call it beating the bushes and insurance. Right. Mm -hmm, And we go out there all the time and just, you know, cold calling, you know, you got to do it, you know, but finding a product that you believe in and knowing when, Okay, I'm done selling peanut brittle. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm ready for something What's else next? that I really believe in that mm-hmm. I you know, I've got experience here and and I'm good. I think I can move on and and take on something else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I used to sell IRAs when they first came out. The bank offered um mm-hmm. $5 for every one I would sell and the person got a free checking account. And right then they were charging maybe $15 a month or something like that. Yeah. And so I would I would get somebody to open an IRA with five dollars and tell them you can save fifteen dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And at one point the bank came to me and they're like, "Why are you doing that for five dollars?" I said, "You told me five dollars is what they needed to open it. I would get five dollars, so you've got five dollars, mm-hmm. and they can save fifteen dollars a month." But I said, "Imagine what's going to happen when people understand how valuable an IRA is, and everybody's got all these IRAs open with you. You're going to be the one that gets their money because it's hard to open IRA. Look at all that paperwork." Sure. They were like, "Oh, I would make like thirty-five dollars a week opening IRAs." That's <laughs> awesome. But I believed in it because I thought it was a really great way for people to learn how to save money, and mm-hmm. and it was a really important tax tool. Mm-hmm. You know, so at Southwest Bank, I sold IRAs and it would annoy everybody on the teller line because they would show up on Friday and pay me my five dollar bills uh-huh. one after the other at my teller station. I was the only one who'd get it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, the um, another highlight from that episode, um, I remember you telling a story about scraping money together to finally take that leap for Children's Paradise. Um, and so with a lot of folks, it's in, in, I like to say during COVID, especially a lot of people started to realize me, I can just start my own business. It's time for me to, to take a leap or something. But even since then, there are still a lot of folks out there who are, who have an idea. And so finding financing is such a major part of that, right? That, mm-hmm. that gamble before you're getting started. So, uh, any advice to folks when it comes to finding financing and actually starting a business? So I think you've got to have a solid idea. I think that a lot of people want to make their first million or their first <laughs> billion, but they don't really have an idea that they can translate into what somebody needs and why they need it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's ultimately taking the time to be authentic with yourself, finding your best purpose. What do I really love to do? Because if you're doing something you love, you never have to work another day in your life. Right. Um, so I think... Finding something that you love and then sitting down and understanding why would people want this and what are they willing to pay for it? Right. Um, looking up a business plan, a business model online, you know, mm-hmm. and and from ground up, really knowing what you want to do before you head out to find financing and do it. I mean, the SBA is a great place to go, mm-hmm. but they do require that you've got a business that's operational for two years or more. Mm-hmm. So for for you to get SBA financing, that's kind of the way you go. Um Family, friend, and neighbor is a great place to go for, you know, those little startups. Um, But there's nothing wrong with saving money. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got an idea. 
Um, somebody's got to be doing it or doing a poor job of it. Go to work for them and try to find out what what they're doing, how they're doing it, and then save money as you're mm-hmm. going. And I think, you know, as as I was running my home daycare, I was throwing money in the bank. I was putting mm-hmm. away whatever I could, you know, on top of I was taking extra kids, doing whatever I had to do, right. you know, to to save. So I think that that's the that's the first step mm-hmm. after you're open for your two years. Then it's an easier. Yeah. It's an easier step. Yeah. If you can make it. Yeah. Two years. though, That's the tough yeah. time, especially the first year. Right. But you yeah. wouldn't recommend they go see Aunt Walertha. You know something? <laughs> she almost shot me. But <laughs> I, story, I did. I know. I borrowed um, six thousand dollars from my aunt Walertha, who told me if I didn't pay her back in six months, she would shoot me with her gun, mm-hmm. and she would have to trust mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. She threatened me several times to shoot me with her gun. I okay, love tell me Aunt exactly Aunt what street she's on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah trust me, my aunt Walertha, she's epic. <laughs> so. <laughs> we can laugh about it but now. I, would, but I know. Said, she, well, I don't know. She, she really probably really would have. She probably really would have. She's a stinker. Uh, but, um, you know, I think um, making it, if you have a solid business plan, mm-hmm. it's less of a risk. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I started with a home daycare center. I had mm-hmm. a home. I set it up with beautiful toys and you know, fun activities for the kids to do and just put a little ad in the paper and said, hey, I'm open. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of risk there. I Mm -hmm. mean, it was my home. I I bought some toys and kids could come to me, you know. So there wasn't a massive amount of risk that I took. I mean, maybe we took a little bit more risk starting the engineering firm where Dave gave up his job and, you know, it was feast and famine with, you know, clients that wouldn't pay. And then they, Mm -hmm. you know, their project would go bankrupt. And so Dave would lose or, you know, stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. there, there are, are things like that that happen, but I think building into a business plan, the, the serious steps that you're going to take, when you don't make it, when your predictions don't happen or turn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's part of a business plan. It's part of it. Yep. What, that's part of know. the risk. That's the gamble. Yeah, it is. I love it. Um, one of my favorite quotes um, from the show, you said, business is about making a difference. And when you make a difference, you make money. That's true. You said that. I love it. And the other thing that I remember because you said you were going to bring me some cowboy cookies and you never did. I never did. I just made them yesterday. Oh, my gosh. I should have done it. I should have done it. Well, I have a really good excuse. Okay. I okay. do. I believe you. The day after. Mm-hmm. The day after the show, I went to Scripps and had an ultrasound mm. and was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. The day after. On the 30th. Yeah. Well, actually, 30th of December, they pretty well suspected. And then on the 7th of January, it was confirmed. So last year was hell. Yeah. It seriously was. Mm -hmm. I went through seven major surgeries, uh, 38 days of radiation. Just, oh, it was a nightmare. Wow. Seriously was. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my father mid-year and missed his funeral because I was in surgery, Mm -hmm. having cancer removed. It was awful. Man. It was awful. Yeah, you but, really did have a good excuse about those yeah, cookies. Right? I know. I know. <laughs> no, but I did but we make did them talk. for the first time yesterday. <clears throat> That's awesome. We talk, we've talked. we yeah. talked uh, since yeah. the last time uh, on the show. And so yeah. I, I've heard about the health issues. And I'm so oh. glad that you you uh, came through that. I'm it really was a nightmare. And then to have to be a CEO the whole time. Right. You know, to to know. I mean, I'm stuck literally at home for six weeks on on, you know, a couple of the um, surgeries, they were just epically difficult. And, yeah. 
And so I'm stuck at home and I'm going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? You okay. know, how I made it through you last year, I do not know. So how do you? I That's seriously what, no, do I not mean, know. There's got to be something, right? You, obviously, you have some good staff or my somebody team, yeah, yeah, backing you up, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so. They stepped up for sure. Yeah. And which is awesome because today I know how much I can get away with now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I want a vacation. I could actually go. <laughs> yeah, at least for six <laughs> no, weeks. You, I know, you're good. I know. <laughs> I know it happened last year. I mean, we we're dealing with repercussions now we had an accounting team that we had in place and they've been our accounting team for a long time outside services Mm -hmm. but they got a new staff member and she seemed to know everything that we didn't know or wasn't yeah and it wasn't accurate and so now we're kind of dealing with some of those repercussions where Mm -hmm. you know we've got to go through and unravel kind of what happened Mm -hmm. you know but um thank god our audit was cleaned you know perfect and and we're we're doing good but yeah it it was not fun. And it had a lot of challenges that I'd never faced before wow. where you can't just show up to work and get the work done. Yeah. You really have to delegate that work, you so, know, and that's, that was hard to, yeah. you know, let go of portions that I thought only I can do this. Sure. Well, actually everybody is replaceable. Yeah. There's, there's nobody in an organization that can't be replaced. And I think a lot of times we find, you know, we imagine ourselves to be, you know, you know, invaluable to the organization. No, mm-hmm. I can even be replaced, you know. Wow. It was an interesting. How many lessons you dropping uh, right now? Okay, so we thing. talked We talked financing mm-hmm. and continued financing, right? Mm-hmm. After how many years? How many years you've been in business now? Let's see. I went into, I started the first home daycare in 84. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I started the one that led to Children's Paradise in 90. So, okay. you know, just, yeah. So that's 32 years. Time. Yeah. I was only five, though, I promise. <laughs> and then, um, but so there's that lesson, right, to continue financing, even 32 years later, that you can still be trying to figure out, okay, are these numbers working right? Is this audit going to check out, you know? Yeah. And so that's important for folks to know. You go into business, and like I said, it's not just smooth sailing. No, because you know? now, I mean, my company will hit about $25 million this year. Okay. I want to go to $500 million. Okay. So when you're at 20 million, 25 million, and you want to go to 500 million, well, I've got a plan to go to 50. Mm -hmm. I think I'll be able to hit that maybe by the end of next year Mm -hmm. or possibly a little bit into the year after. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm on target for that. But how do you exponentially expand that, you know, from 50 to 500? That's Mm -hmm. a huge, huge expansion. That's right. You know, so. But it's the plan. But that's where I want to go. Right. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. And and everybody will say, well, why not be happy at 50? Mm-hmm. Well, why do this if you're not doing it? You know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it, right? Right. I know you wasn't expecting this type of commercial of another podcast coming in. But whoever you were listening to, they're irrelevant at the moment. What I'm saying right now is we have a brand new podcast that you should stop listening to whoever you listen to in this moment <laughs> and listen to us <laughs> at Odd Pairing. It is about adult beverages and Wait, Paige. Wait, I'm supposed to tell you about that. And Paige is going to tell you a little bit so more. So it's adult beverages, mm-hmm. food, mm-hmm. community, culture, and basically anything else we find interesting through the drinking. Yeah. And as you can see, we've been drinking a lot today um, because we already did episodes. So at any time you guys can find us when you finish with this podcast whoever you listen to mm-hmm. you can find us at YouTube you can find us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you get your Instagram podcast stuff and you can mm-hmm. also find us on Instagram where you will find hilarious memes and some snippets from our show at Odd Pairing Pod cheers cheers
Hello, friends. This is Joe Samo from the Samo Law Group. I am the host of Run It By My Lawyer. Over the years, I've had so many people that have had legal issues and legal questions and legal concerns. And I always, over the more than 20 years, I've been telling people before you sign anything, before you do anything, if you have a problem, just run it by my lawyer, <laughs> right? Just run it by me. And now I have a podcast doing just that. You can call me, you can email me, any questions you have. I love hearing from people and answering legal questions. And on our podcast, we've talked about uh, everything from free speech, uh, gun rights, you know, anything you want to discuss, employment rights, everything. So you have an issue, you know, run it by my lawyer and watch this podcast. You'll be entertained and you'll learn the law. Love to see you. You can find me anywhere, okay? Uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, whatever you want. And if you can't find me on some platform, let me know and I'll come find you. All right, thank you. Hi, I'm Rachel Belt, President and CEO of the Vista Chamber of Commerce. Over the last 20 years, I've had the privilege of living and working in Vista. And I've met some amazing people with amazing stories. And I'm thrilled to bring them to you as part of Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast where I interview the movers, shakers, and change makers impacting the Vista community and beyond. I hope you'll join me as we journey together to hear the stories of the people doing amazing things for our town. Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts. That's so, why I brought you back. That's yeah. the kind of conversation I want to have. It's like, okay, like staying motivated, expanding. Like, do you, again, do you see a finish line uh, where a lot of folks, that's what they see, right? I'm just going to go make this $25 million and yeah. then I'm out. Or are you just constantly working and building? And so you've got a plan. You're, you've got your eyes on 500 million. Yeah. Right. And so, I, I mean, that's just amazing. And so then that's got to keep you motivated. You're not losing interest. Yeah. The, yeah. the um, I would say the finish line is constantly moving. Love constantly it. moving Love it. and it depends on though there are there are specific things that move it mm-hmm. like i saw um a school up in ramona was brought to my attention it's for sale do you want it well i don't know i'll go look at it mm-hmm. um so i went up there and i went nah, i don't think so i just kind of walked around the outside i don't think so mm-hmm. and so one of my staff members says well i'll go look at it with you let's look at it one more time we walked inside mm-hmm. we saw kids laying on the floor with no blankets with mm-hmm. no cots no mm-hmm. sheets with no mat, just on a filthy floor. We saw a dog bed was there and it was dirty. Dog bed was the book, you know, cushion. We saw babies uh, sleeping in a nap room with all the doors closed and nobody was in there with them. And there were plastic bags sitting outside of the cribs. We saw playgrounds that had asphalt that had like a quarter of an inch of dirt over the asphalt and a slide coming down right there. Mm. We just saw this environment that was so dangerous for children. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. I bought it. Wow. <laughs> it was like, I couldn't do it. I, mean, yeah. I bought that and a lot next door. I'll be developing a site for 150 kids there. Was it because I wanted more money? No, it was because I could not leave those babies mm-hmm. in hot Ramona in that place. I couldn't do it. I love it. When I had the chance to go in and change their lives and mm-hmm. I knew, okay, I can, you know, this money and yeah, James will give me a loan for that. And mm-hmm. then Milford get out there and he can redesign it and, you know, we'll build it and, and it'll happen. Mm-hmm. But the motivation wasn't, oh, and I'll make right. da 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 money. The motivation was, and these babies will have so much fun. They will be able to play and oh, bubbles. And, yeah. you know, we had an ice, ice cone 
a little icy truck come to the schools and park outside of it for two hours and the kids got unlimited ice cones. Oh, wow. (laughs) We do stuff like that all the time, you know, and, and somebody who's in it to make money Mm -hmm. doesn't do things like that. Right. Somebody's in it to do the job and to really get deep into the job because they love it. Mm -hmm. We'll do that all day long. And guess what? I make more money than the people who don't. Hey, so back to the quote, (laughs) business is about making a difference. And when you make a difference, you can make money. I love it. Okay. So now, now we're talking about it. Let's, let's talk locations, expansion, because this is, I mean, it's happening, right? It's happening right now. We were just talking about it. So tell tell us about it. So we just recently competed in an RFA for uh, something known as general child care, uh, acronym CCTR, through the uh, California Department of Social Services. It's providing care for children zero to three and then those five to 12 year olds that are in school. Mm -hmm. So we competed. The state awarded $200 million and they awarded Children's Paradise 19.5 of that $200 million. We're like, we got almost 10%. Wow. Wow. You know, it was pretty epic. Um, We have five new centers that are under development. We've got 198 spaces going into Carlsbad, uh, 4.4 million going into San Marcos, another 2.8 going into El Cajon. Looks like we've got a site in Santee, uh, Ramona, and another site in Escondido. So that's what's happening right now. And we're just working to intake all of that. So we're going from five to 10? So we will go, um, we will go to, let's see, we're at right now locations- I think we're going to 11 right now is okay. what we've got. We've got in the, in the mix, but our, when you say locations, I've got a competitor and she says, well, I have 21 locations. Okay. Well, she probably does 9 million in gross funding with 21 locations. We have five locations and we're doing 25 million. It's a difference in capacity. So license capacity is really how you define early care and education sites mm-hmm. and a children's paradise mm-hmm. site. The smallest one is 150. The largest one is about 250. Mm-hmm. So depending on, you know, the number of kids that go into the site will depend on, you know, what our license capacity will end up being. I think we're on on target right now for about 1,700 license capacity wow. with our existing locations. And then we have three others that we haven't defined the license capacity. So we'll probably end up next year, by the end of next year, at about 2,500 is what I'm thinking. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to point out something that you mentioned, um, you know, because a lot of folks don't speak about their competitors, right? Yeah. Um, at least when they come on this show. And I just want to bring up the fact that when you're creating good business plans, that you have to be thinking about who the competition is. Mm-hmm. You all, that's part of the plan is knowing what they're doing, what you can do differently, why someone will come to you instead of them. That's mm-hmm. part of planning, right? It is, but that's red ocean planning. So if you think about a red ocean, there are a lot of fish in it and everybody's eating the smaller fish, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's blood in the water. Mm-hmm. That's red ocean planning. Mm-hmm. What what the savvy business person does is creates a blue ocean. Mm-hmm. There isn't anybody in it to compete with you. There's like nobody it. doing what I do. I love it. I'm not just, uh, you know, CCTR and CSPP, which are two programs from the Department of Education, Department of Social Services, and nothing else. I just do what they tell me to do. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. We have 17 different types of funding. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going, but there aren't that many. Yeah, there are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And so it's about saying, what do families need? Why would family choose me before they would choose anyone else? Mm -hmm. I mean, my beautiful facilities, that's one. Mm -hmm. That's not everything. You can have a beautiful facility and not do what we do. And um, I would say that what we did throughout COVID for families... We kept them off the streets. 
We literally were their lifeline to activities for their kids, to uh, learning plans, to food, to housing, to everything that they needed to thrive. And we saved our state government so much money Mm -hmm. because we had 31 families that were at risk of being homeless at any moment. None of them went homeless because we were there Mm -hmm. connecting them to the resources that they needed. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of resources out there and a lot of times they have a a hard time finding the people that need them Mm -hmm. because the people that need them are in crisis mode and they're not out looking for resources. They're trying to figure out how to fix it themselves. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is connecting people. So I think that 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 in and of itself, what Children's Paradise is, is a blue ocean. And there's just nobody else doing what we're doing. And they don't understand what we're doing. They think it's just daycare. Mm -hmm. It's just childcare. It's daycare. That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And I had a a CEO from a large national chain try to buy me and I turned him down right before COVID. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't believe I did that. But Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, he was about the money. He wasn't about the kids. And I didn't want to work with somebody like that. But he said to me, he said, I don't get it. Your centers are making three times what my center is making. Yeah. The same license capacity. What are you doing? How are you doing it? Yeah. He tried his best to figure it out. He yeah. can't. Yeah. Because he's not of that blue ocean mentality. That's right. That says, what do children and families need and how can I provide for those supports? Some of them we get paid for, some we don't. Right. But we're, you know, full with the waiting list everywhere because families need what we've got and what we're doing. And yeah. that's what any business You can't fail if people need what you do or what you want to do. Uh Uh-oh, there's another one. You can't fail if people need what you do. I love it. That's a good one right there. Okay, so now, but look, year-round. This you're, you're running this business year round. How are you balancing like business and pleasure? Like when are you, when are you getting some time for yourself? So Dave and I bought a house. Our daughter moved to Texas mm-hmm. and uh, she moved to a community uh, right, right outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a stylist and she started having babies and we went, okay, well, we've got to be able to be Nana and Papa. So we were staying at a resort out there and it was just really expensive and mm-hmm. you can't really, I can't bake cookies and <laughs> make Play-Doh and mud kitchens and none mm-hmm. of that stuff happens at a, at a hotel. Right, right. So we decided to buy a house and we bought a house in Bastrop in the historic district. It's the stagecoach house. I live right next door to the secretary of state under Rick Perry. Okay. Coolest guy ever. And he's got the big Victorian and I've got the stagecoach house. Okay. And um, I go out about once a month. I tell my staff, I said, you guys want to have a cool boss? You got to let me have off a week a month so I can go see the babies. So I head out to Texas about a week out of the month and just, you know, take it easy. I go to that same resort and get a massage and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. play with the babies, go to the river, you know, bake cookies. Yeah. Just have fun. And then recently my son Andrew moved out there as well. So now I've got two sets of babies to see out there. So yeah, it's kind of kind of that, you know, is I would say the primary thing. Well, no, the pro yeah, well, okay, I'm a liar. It's the primary thing, but it really is a runner up to dancing. I love to go dancing. Okay. Because you can't think about work. The music is loud, especially if it's my favorite funk band, B.I.G., Boys Igniting a Groove. I love them because they play uh, funk. They can sing Atomic Dog better than George Clinton. Seriously. come on. Better. (laughs) They're local? They are all over Southern California. Okay. Yeah. So they play like at Thornton and my favorite. And I'm friends with some of them, too. So it's really fun. Uh But it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of the way I I just shake it all off. If I've had a hard day. 
I'll find a really loud night of dancing and fun and bunch of girls and I would just go and have a good time. Good. So that's good. Those are two ways, you know, babies first (laughs) runner up is dancing. (laughs) I love it. And that's good. You are getting those breaks. I mean, because we need them. We, we talk a little bit in this season. We talk a little bit about mental health and everything, you know, Mm -hmm. just getting some time to decompress. And so I'm glad you're finding that time. And I'm sure getting away is always good. Right. Oh yeah. Out to Texas. And yeah. Yeah. It is. It's nice. I need a massage. I need to go to a good spa. That sounds great right now. Our house out there is amazing. I I did. I'm a bit of an interior decorator wannabe. Uh And so I did a room out there that's with a 1970s, like state of the art stereo. Mm -hmm. And then it's got like the really comfortable leather furniture. But then I did James Bond, kind of like a cigar whiskey bar thing with dark blue walls. It's the coolest room ever. Oh, that's awesome. And so we have our neighbors. I go out there. Um, they love my cooking, which is fun. Yeah. I love to cook and I don't get to do that a lot here. So I go out there and the minute I arrive, when are we coming to dinner? <laughs> so I get to use all my china and pretty napkins and yeah, yeah make up full on dinners and yeah, see if I can but, wow them. It's fun. Yeah. You know, just nothing I can. Well, don't normally do here. I need to start doing it for okay. sure. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Um, I'll say congratulations to you on Thank all those you. accolades, first of all, but also your good health, right? Oh, uh, that's the major thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would say the accolades, that's all my team. You know, I sit here and I say it's really nice as the leader of Children's Paradise to get the recognition, but it's the recognition they mm-hmm. all deserve because they have really every single day that they had on the line for children and families. And yeah. the the things that I watch them do in service to these children and mm-hmm. in service to these families is just so heroic. I can't, I can't even put into words. I know I was telling you that we want to create a reality show mm-hmm. because people don't understand what happens at an early air education and care center. They think it's childcare. We're changing diapers. We're babysitters. Everybody's sitting there on their cell phone. Yeah. That is not what happens. Right, you right. know, at any, at any particular time, I've got child protective services there. Mm-hmm. I've got you know, people from licensing or Head Start or the Department of Education. I've got individual education plans, you know, IFSPs for infant toddlers. There's so much happening and so much early intervention connecting kids to resources that they need. And you just have no idea the the circumstances of families. I mean, what do you do when, you know, you've got three little kids in your program and the father overdoses on drugs and mm. they show up the next day. Their father died last night. Mm. You know, we've had that happen so many times. Wow. You know, what do you do when the little guy, you know, brings a gun to school? Mm. Well, his father just got out of jail and hid his gun, which he's not allowed to have in his backpack. Mm. You know, so you're you're dealing with that. Or what do you do when the mom comes in and she's being abused and yeah. you've got to help her move and get all of her things together and get the kids to a safe place? You're responsible for that. You can't just say, oh, that that sounds terrible. Oh, you're being abused. Yeah. Leave. You know, as a, as us, you know, we take care of that. We don't allow that to happen. So yeah. our families have that resource that they can depend upon. And that's it's a lot of a reality a show. right? There. And there's 220 people doing that every day. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty amazing. You know, it's, it, you know, you, you always give credit to your team. I, I even yeah, mentioned it in the intro, uh, your journey from a complex upbringing to the success story that she and her team are today. You you always do. And I want to make sure because I actually see you guys moving as a unit. Yeah. Whenever, you know, especially when around the time of heroes and everything, it, mm-hmm. it was like I liked that they came to like do that testimonial video for you and all it. You, it always feels like you're one. That's a good thing. And that's so important with creating a business model, right? Mm -hmm. If you can create a team around you that are like 
one unit with you moving forward, then it makes you so much stronger. Yeah. Well, it's a culture. It's, it's knowing what you do, knowing how you do it, mm-hmm. and knowing why you do it first. Why do we do this? And everybody mm-hmm. does it for the same reason. We all have to make a living. I tell everybody, I do this to make a living. I couldn't do it if I couldn't make a living as well. Right. You know, it's just honest. Sure. But, but why we do it is because we love the difference we make in the lives of kids and families in this community and every community that we're in, it just makes such a difference. Yeah. And so we love that. And I think everybody's on that same page that's and that's, brilliant. that makes it easy to kind of move together because you're always thinking in the best interests of the children and families. That's first. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking about, Oh, how much money is that going to cost? We're right. thinking is that quality? does that improve quality and we're not frivolous or, disrespectful of the resources that we're given. We're very respectful of the resources we're given, Mm -hmm. but we have no problem engaging resources if it's in the best interests of children and families and makes the job that we do high quality. That's right. And it, we had a Head Start evaluator come in. I had a partnership, a former Head Start partnership that I don't work with them anymore. Okay. And um, they had evidently said something to Head Start about me while she's for profit. Oh, uh, Uh, okay. Yeah, I do work for a living. Mm -hmm. But I looked at them and I said, look around because they came into our facilities and they kind of gave me that look like, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I just go look. And you could see them breaking down every step of the way as they walked through our facility. And they came back to my front office and they said to me, I want to tell you this. We're here from Washington, D.C. We've traveled the country. We have never seen more beautiful, clean facilities ever anywhere. We have never seen more beautiful, clean, well-maintained yards ever anywhere. But the thing that makes me want to cry, she said, is the personal interactions with the children. She said, you can tell it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's authentic and it's a practice. And that, she said, is just so impressive. And, you know, when you think about that, you know, I said to her, I said, I get the same money everybody else gets. Think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. I'm for profit. Mm-hmm. I get the same money everybody else gets. So if I'm doing something wrong by being for profit, yeah. then how am I able to do all of this? And everybody who's not for profit is not. Mm-hmm. Or pe- there are some people who are not for profit that are not. Mm-hmm. You know, in particular, you know, I can think of a few. And, <laughs> and you know, I just, I just say that it's easy, you know, to, to say I'm not for profit that doesn't mean you're necessarily in the best interests of children and families. Yeah. You can be a business person. You can be have that mindset that says, I'm a social entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I do it for the right reasons. And I'm not at all ashamed to say I do it also to make a living. Sure. I have to, okay. you know. Yeah. So. I like it. I like yeah. that you address that. I've actually heard people mention that before. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah. It is. I, it's almost like it's a detriment. Oh, she's for profit. Well, uh, guess what? Every nonprofit has to be, has to make a profit as well, or they're out of business tomorrow. You have <laughs> sure, to balance sure. a budget yeah, yeah. and you don't balance it evenly. You put some in reserves. That's called profit mm-hmm. so that you can make it down the road, you mm-hmm. know, and, and ultimately I repurpose probably everything we make in profitability. We reinvest in expansion. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Pretty close every year. My accountant's going, what are you doing? I said, we're expanding. That's what we're doing. You know, it's our job to make sure that this is like Starbucks. It goes everywhere. Yeah. So So tell us how to reach out to you. How how do people find you? So I'm at jlowen at Mm childrensparadise.com. You can reach me through email. Um, Our website at Children's Paradise, info at childrensparadise.com. I love mentoring. I love answering questions. I love helping people grow. I know I had... 
uh, Dick Vogt was the CFO for Vista Unified. Okay. And he came into Children's Paradise in the 90s. I was appointed to the uh, Children and Families Commission, and I was in over my head. And um, it's first five now. And he came in and coached me every day mm-hmm. and helped me walk through that year of hell, trying to figure out how to be on a public board and, you know, how to carry myself and comport myself. And I really thought I was going to get something done. I didn't know I was just supposed to sit there and look pretty. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it was it was kind of an interesting, uh, interesting experience. But he said to me, he never charged me anything for it. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, pay it forward. Just right. someday you find, you know, people in business who need some help and support and pay it forward. And So I coach and mentor people. I've got a girl up in Sacramento building preschools and she's on her second one. She just opened her second one and I just mentor and coach her and Mm -hmm. she's come down and looked at mine and, you know, things like that. I love that. I love that, too. You know, we've had that conversation as well on the show. We talk about um, people who are out there actively, you know, they want some information, but they don't know where to find it. And then they're wondering, am I going to have to pay for a coach or something like that? And they can't afford that. But there are people out there like us who are willing to mentor for free. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk. I can give you some ideas or some thoughts or at least point you in the right direction Mm -hmm. or some people you should talk to. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised what that information is going to do for you going forward. So I I love that you're paying it forward. Yeah. So I think it's super valuable. I think more valuable than a paid coach is a mentor mm-hmm. is somebody that's in business that you can learn, you know, the struggles they go through on a day-to-day basis, the, the joys, the worries, the, you know, triumphs, all the different things that happen, you know, as it goes, it gives you a better perspective about what to expect as you go into business right. for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not all roses, you that's know? Right. Well, I guess maybe it is. Roses have some pretty, you know, <laughs> thorns, thorns, you know, <laughs> and they have dry seasons where they're all dead. <laughs> So it was kind of like that, <laughs> you know, hilarious. but it's just one of those things that, you know, I think, I think um, I was telling somebody the other day, nobody gets there on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when Obama said, you didn't build that, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody freaked out. And mm-hmm. I knew it, what he said was ridiculous, but at some level he was right. You know, mm-hmm. you don't do this by yourself. You have a team of people that are investing every day into your idea mm-hmm. and your job is to make them believe in it and to understand the why and to understand the where and the how, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to get that team to gel and move in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly rewarding, but as a part of that, to have an advisory board, to have a group of people that you can go to and say, Hey, you know, I'm really cash poor right now. What about this? What about that? You know, I've, I've seen people make some huge mistakes when they're cash poor, take on some very expensive, you know, financing, you know, things, American express, it looks so cheap. Oh, we'll only take so much out of your account every week. You don't realize they're 4.3 weeks in a month. So it's actually massively more than you thought, right. you know, and, and by the time it happens and you see that much going out, you think about the first few weeks and you think, oh, that would be good. And then all of a sudden it's forever, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, you know, understanding the cost of money and maybe getting ideas about where to do it differently or right. how to manage that, you know, in the in a multitude of witness, witnesses, there is wisdom. You know, it's a, a biblical uh Quote, there is, you know, you get a lot of people together and ask questions. I love Super it. Super valuable. I love it. Reach out yeah. to her. Julie Lowen, Children's Paradise. Jay Lowen at childrensparadise.com yeah. or childrensparadise.com. How about social media? I'm on Facebook, Facebook. under Julie Lowen. Yeah, I'm okay. on Instagram, Julie Lowen. Uh, okay. Insta- no, Instagram is Smarty Patch. 
Smarty Patch. Yeah, Smarty okay. Patch yeah, on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. I don't know why I did that, but, <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, good. We really appreciate you being here and sharing more knowledge and updating us on what you've been up to. Yes. We'll probably have to do it in a couple a couple more seasons coming down the road. You got it. Super fun. Thank you so I love much, it. Z. I love it. Thanks so much. Right. Same business, different day. Thank you for listening to Same Business, Different Day. We truly appreciate your support. Please like, subscribe, and leave a nice comment on all platforms. It really helps our show. The Same Business, Different Day podcast is produced by A Different Day Radio, Star Fox Media, and James Russell.